This is the recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. The McDonough District Hospital Board last night agreed on the next course of action regarding hospital president and CEO Brian Dietz. Dietz, who was suspended with pay late last week, will remain on suspension through February 5th. In the meantime, Board Chairperson Jerry Gruel and Board Member Dan O'Neill will investigate numerous allegations in anonymous letters sent to MDH Board members. The letter writers say they're hospital employees. They believe that Dietz is spending recklessly. They also complain about a toxic work environment and that they fear retaliation if they reveal their identities. Hospital CFO Bill Murdoch is serving as interim CEO while the board conducts its investigation. The city of Macomb will focus some of its attention on potential upgrades to Chandler Park this year. Tri-State's Public Radio's Rich Egger reports. The city is seeking a firm to complete a master plan for the downtown park. City Administrator Scott Coker says it's been on his mind for a while. The park is aging. There's a lot of grant dollars out there that are available, and this to me is the first step to applying for grants, and we need to, it's, it's time to make some improvements in the park. The city council agreed to advertise a request for proposals from firms to develop the master plan. The vote was 5-2. to two. Both at-large council members, Don Wynn and Dennis Moon, voted against it. Wynn believes the city does not need to hire an outside firm to come in and make suggestions. I think it would just be a better use of the money to maybe solicit town input to see if there was anything else that the town would be willing to uh, support. Wynn also says space for changes at the park is limited. The city would like the master plan to address Chandler Park's layout, its ADA challenges, and other issues. Rich Egger reporting. Burlington Mayor John Billups will serve another two-year term. He was appointed on Tuesday by the City Council on a four-to-one vote. This will be his third term as mayor. The council chooses the city's mayor from its own ranks. Billups was nominated by Council Member Tim Scott. Council Member Linda Graham-Murray nominated herself for mayor. She was the lone vote for herself. Jay Grant has been appointed to serve as the first ward representative on the Monmouth City Council. He replaces Justin Thomas, who stepped down in October. Mayor Rod Davies says he conducted a number of interviews before nominating Grant. The council approved the appointment yesterday. Grant is a graduate of Monmouth College and works as the IT director for Midwest Bank. He will be sworn in later this month. Teens in Illinois are now able to pre-register to vote at the same time they get their driver's licenses. Illinois Public Radio's Mawa Iqbal explains. A new law allows 16- and 17-year-olds to pre-register at Secretary of State facilities while getting their driver's licenses or state ID. So when they turn 18, they'll be automatically registered to vote. Secretary of State Alexei Janoulias says he hopes it will encourage more young people to vote. Chicago Democratic State Senator Mike Simmons sponsored the measure and says it sends a message to young voters that their voices matter in elections. Illinois joined 17 other states and Washington, D.C. in allowing voter pre-registration at 16. The law also makes Election Day next November a school holiday. I'm Mawa Iqbal. 
Illinois agriculture officials expect a strong response for their annual program offering crop insurance discounts to farmers who plant cover crops. Brian Renneker is with the Illinois Department of Agriculture. He says the program helped farmers in 83 counties last year. So we have really good coverage north, south, east, and west. In fact, we actually had a couple hundred acres come out of Cook County one year. Farmers can receive a $5 per acre discount for planting winter crops to protect the soil on land where they will grow insurable crops in the spring. A survey by Iowa State University shows farmland values have started to plateau. As Iowa Public Radio's Sheila Brummer reports, there are different findings across the state. Once again, Iowa is seeing a record high price for an average acre of farmland at $11,835. That's an increase of 3.7%. However, Iowa State University economist Robil Shandu says it isn't the major bump seen during the past few years when farmland jumped 17 and 29%. We're still at the peak, but we're seeing the peak slow down a little. Shandu predicts values will hold steady in the future, even though they are impacted by interest rate hikes, lower commodity prices, higher costs, and drought. Northwest Iowa saw a very slight decrease in land values with the biggest gains in the southeast due to people buying land for recreation and hunting. I'm Sheila Brummer, IPR News. In today's feature, many nursing homes are facing chronic staffing shortages. This could lead to inadequate care and dangerous environments for seniors. The Biden administration has proposed a new set of staffing requirements in an attempt to address this shortage. But some say this new proposal could cause more harm than good for already struggling facilities. Iowa Public Radio's Natalie Krebs reports. It's noon at the Prairie View Skilled Nursing Home in Sanborn. Dozens of residents are in the cafeteria. They dig into their tater tot casseroles and vegetable beef stew. So they get a pick between like three salads, two main meals, three desserts, whatever they want to drink, and uh, it's always good. That's Wendy Nelson. She's been the administrator at this rural nursing home in western Iowa for nearly two decades. It's noisy in the cafeteria. But this changes quickly as Nelson leads me to the end of one of the halls to a unit behind a locked door. Uh, so this is kind of sad. We're we'll walk in here. But totally empty. This is, or was, Prairie View's memory care unit. It closed in 2022 due to staffing issues. We were kind of in a situation where we had uh, eight residents out of 16. And again, you have to have a nurse for the whole 24 hours. You have to have at least one to two aides for the whole 24 hours. Nelson says staffing shortages have gotten much worse since the pandemic, when she lost many staff members due to burnout. The nursing home is only at 60% capacity. In March of 2020, Prairie View was nearly full. Nelson says she's not getting applicants, even though she significantly bumped up pay for all positions from nursing to housekeeping. You're able to go to Casey's, um, you know, and get paid pretty good nowadays or McDonald's. This summer, more than half of nursing homes reported turning away prospective residents due to labor issues, according to a survey from the American Healthcare Association. But chronic staffing issues affect more than bed space. When they're understaffed, residents are more likely to receive poor care at nursing homes. The Biden administration proposed setting a minimum staffing level for nursing homes in September. 
They include having at least one registered nurse on site at all times and having a mandatory minimum amount of time employees spend with each resident daily. Labor unions representing nursing home workers and senior care organizations support the new rules. They say it will make nursing homes safer. Brad Anderson is the executive director of AARP Iowa. We have seen time and time again nursing homes that don't have adequate staffing uh, lead to serious problems when it comes to resident care. Not everyone feels the same way. Last month, a group of Republican governors, including those in Iowa, Nebraska, Missouri, and Indiana, sent a letter to the Biden administration. They urged it to reconsider its mandatory staffing proposal. They said they fear it could force more facilities to close. The American Healthcare Association, which represents nursing homes, estimates the rules will ultimately require facilities nationwide to hire more than 100,000 full-time workers who don't exist. Uh, a mandate is not going to create another single worker. Brent Willett is the president and CEO of the Iowa Healthcare Association. He says lawmakers should instead focus on policies to help increase the workforce. We should be talking about legal immigration reform. We should be talking about tax credits for healthcare workers um, and other strategies to, to find ways to fund apprenticeship programs. But some nursing home workers say they'd like to see the requirements in place. They would also like to see nursing homes held more accountable for staff safety. Unless it's forced, it will not happen. Savannah Hintz is a registered nurse who worked in Iowa nursing homes for a decade. Hintz left because she felt the for-profit facilities where she worked prioritized her bottom line over patient care and worker safety. They're dealing with people who have dementia or strokes. These are, these are adults who are physically strong, and the training isn't there. You know, the, instead of these, these companies investing in dementia training, they are just putting it elsewhere. Hintz says she'd like to see policymakers make sure nursing home workers get the support they need. I'm Natalie Krebs, IPR News. This story was produced in partnership with Site Effects Public Media, a regional health reporting collaboration of NPR member stations across the Midwest. In the weather for our listening area for today, mostly cloudy skies with a high in the mid-30s and northwest winds at 5 to 10 miles an hour. For tonight, a slight chance of flurries between 9 p.m. and midnight. It should be mostly cloudy with a low in the mid-20s. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.